Welcome to the first ever podcast of the Entertainment Sports and Media Law Certificate Program here at Georgia State University College of Law. We are so excited to be kicking off this podcast right here in our own home studio. Yes, that's right. If you thought that any law school in America has a studio, it's right here at Georgia State University College of Law. And this is an idea we had because we have a very unique class going on right now. I am Professor Mo Ivory. And we are teaching a new class called The Legal Life of Ludicrous. So all you have to do is Google Ludicrous Course GSU, and you'll see all the news that we've been getting about it and all the press clippings, and then you'll know exactly what we're doing. But today, I'm really excited to kick off our first ever podcast because we've been having some interesting conversations in class. And if you think our conversations have been interesting, then you wouldn't even believe the guests that we've been having all a part of Ludicrous's career. So we started off with Ludicrous's mom. And first, I want to introduce you to four students who are here with me today. Day, who so bravely said, I want to be a part of the first podcast. My name is Patrice Ruffin. I'm a part-time student in my third year here at the law school. Wonderful. Hey, my name is Raquel McGee. I am a 4L part-time student. So I graduated in May. I'm excited. So. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Ovi Balaj, and I'm a third-year law student. Also excited to graduate next year. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Thomas Haswell. I am a full-time 2L, so I've got a little more time to go. <laughs> All right. Well, our first class was just a soft, let's learn everything we can about who Ludacris is as a person, right? right? And we did talk a little bit about the laws in Georgia for child actors, but we got a chance to meet with his mother, Mrs. Roberta Shields, and she was amazing in her own right. What was one of the things that you learned about Ludacris in that first class session? The big thing for me that I learned was that Ludacris has always paved his own way. Ludacris had, has known since he was a young child mm -hmm. that he was going to stand out from others and that he was going to put in the work and do what he needed to do to get to where he is now. And his mom just revealed to us how humble he is and how hardworking he is. And like I respect him so much more because of the things she's revealed to me, which I, I figured it, but to hear her say it, it just all made sense. Yeah. Yes. Obi, what about you? Well, yeah, a general idea that I've learned is to be accountable to yourself. So mm -hmm. he had that drive into him to do business, but he was accountable to how he went about doing that business. And he made sure that all the right ways are taken and he didn't cut corners and that helped him in the long run. Yeah. And and Thomas, what are you thinking? Um, it seems like he's the entertainment lawyer's favorite client. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I think the biggest takeaway I've had is that he is definitely an atypical client mm -hmm. in terms of the amount of knowledge he has and the amount of kind of drive he has to learn things for himself and get an idea of how the business works on his own without relying on others to tell him. And that's so important because as we learn to be uh, great entertainment lawyers, we have to learn how to choose clients correctly, right? right? And clients have to learn how to choose us. So it's really important that you said that he seems to be an atypical client because because I will tell you, in all of my years of practice, he absolutely, the way he is described, and from many of the people that have worked with him, say that he is, for one, always on time, which right then and there makes him atypical. So, <laughs> how about you? Um, I thought it was interesting that his mom took her business experience and kind of passed that on to him. Whether or not he did that intentionally, you could tell that 
just because she was a hard worker, he kind of carried that forward in everything that he does. Yeah, absolutely. We first started out, like I said, with Mrs. Shields, and we went quickly into the first person who hired Ludacris as a radio intern, which was the voice of Atlanta, Ryan Cameron, who has been on the radio for years and actually gave Ludacris his first shot at radio station 97.5. So we dove right in and looked at a radio talent agreement, which would have been what Ludacris signed, went from intern to on-air personality. And so we broke that apart. And let me say that a radio talent agreement really lays out what a radio station will give to a talent that is being hired to work on-air at the station. And there will be two lawyers in that situation. There will be a lawyer that represents the radio station, and there will be a lawyer that represents the talent, hopefully. Right. <laughs> Hopefully, because what we all know is that a lot of times entertainers, whether they are on air talent, singers, film actors, they don't think they need an attorney. Um, but you will find out that you really do. So what were some of the things when we examined the radio talent agreement that kind of stood out to you? I guess for me, the, the ownership of materials part of the agreements, it made me think, because what if a, a on air entertainer or bring some type of unique thing to the, the radio station? the way the contracts are typically written, you can't really keep that, typically. You will have to negotiate in whatever way you can to see if you can take whatever you brought to that station with you. So whether it's a character or a little segment or something like that, it's very interesting to know that you may not be able to take certain materials with you if you leave. Yeah, so, I mean, that's so important because historically, let's think about your favorite radio station you listen to Mm -hmm. in the morning, right? And somebody has a prank call segment and you laugh at it and you look forward to that prank call segment every day. Well, if that person leaves the station, another person will come in and do the prank calls and will it be the same? Has that personality branded it? On the flip side, for the personality, why wouldn't they want to take that with them to their next station, right? Mm -hmm. So it's very important for a lawyer to make sure that they understand who owns the materials when a talent comes in. So if you're a talent and you're real creative and you want to go in and you want to be able to have something that's all your own, it could be an issue of whether or not you're able to do that. So did anybody else feel anything about that materials portion of the discussion that we had? To our point, material ownership is very important, but it's in the greater context of limitation because every clause in there limits you in some way either as a station or as a talent. So you, you as the lawyer have to really understand your talent if you represent them or your station and understand their bigger vision and what they're trying to achieve with this agreement. And you have to structure those limitations to be beneficial to both. And the only way you do that is by really understanding your talent or your station. Yeah. How important are contract negotiations? Let's just stop for a second and just like go real basic here. Like, Thomas, how important are contract negotiations in the life of an entertainment lawyer? Oh, it's huge. I mean, almost everything we do is governed by contracts in some way, shape, or form. And so being a good advocate on behalf of your client and learning how to negotiate successfully which is an entire skill on its own, is you know vital to the career. Yeah. And Patrice, were you surprised at some of the things that came up in the radio talent agreement? I think the biggest thing that Ryan talked about as he's gone through his career, he's asked for longer terms. But then when we had the conversation as a class about the term, you mentioned something about maybe having a shorter term because that gives you more flexibility as the talent to be able to move on if the situation ends up uncomfortable for both sides. So I think to what Thomas was saying about being an advocate, 
you have to know what your client is wanting, whether it's the radio station or the talent, to make sure, sure that you're getting the best terms that you can. And term is so tricky, like really term meaning how long is this contract going to last? Because like you said, a short term could be good or bad, mm-hmm. right? If things aren't working out really great with the radio station, a short term could be bad for you if they can easily let you go. Mm-hmm. But it could be really great for you if you are developing some really out-of-the-box ratings and they want to keep you, then it just lines you up for a renegotiation, which just means more money. And if there's more money for the talent, is there more money for the lawyer? Yes. Yes. Should be be because most entertainment contracts are based on a percentage of what the money compensation is inside of the contract. That's really how lawyers make their money in entertainment. Or, you know, there are some more sophisticated clients that prefer not to work on a percentage and then will actually pay you by the hour or pay you a fixed fee to uh, negotiate an agreement. But most clients that are coming to you, and especially in the beginning, they don't have any money. Right? So they want to do a percentage situation. I just have one point to mention in there because I feel people that are not yet represented may fall into this category of thinking this way. And a lot of times you want to use common sense when you read a contract and read the language in there as what the common meaning is. That is a big mistake. You should never just interpret it at the blanket face value of it because you will most likely get it wrong. So get representation. Do not just rely on common sense. Yeah. Have you had that experience in your own life? Yes, when my girlfriend acts, so I've read a couple of her agreements with different brands or sponsors. And, you know, at the face value of it, when you read it, it means a certain thing that you may think it's good for you. But when you understand the legal applications and implications of it, then it doesn't become so beneficial to you. So you want to get a lawyer involved and make sure you understand every clause. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so key about learning how to be an entertainment lawyer and why it takes time, because a lot of these concepts are very difficult. And it's not just even just reading it. It's reading it and understanding it, right? And then also the next step, being able to tell your clients what it means and figure out, you know, when you're talking to clients, you also want to be able to tell them what the other side is thinking as well. So you want to, in this scenario, you want to tell your radio client who say you represent the talent you want to tell them well this is what the radio station is thinking so we can automatically know that they're going to come back and push back on this or they're going to say that your talent isn't up to the caliber of getting this thing or that thing so it's important to really understand both sides when you're negotiating so that you can give your client a fair predictor of how their contract is going to come out in the end anybody want to comment on our guest Ryan Cameron and what he talked about in terms of choosing an entertainment lawyer? I I actually like that part about him. I like that he was very, very transparent with us and he's very candid about how important it is that you have a good relationship with your lawyer. And not just the relationship that's like, oh, you know, a business relationship, but it's someone you can laugh with. I think that's exactly how he put it. Yeah. Someone who laughs at your jokes. Laughs at your jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. laughs at the same jokes. At the same jokes. Yes, yes, there we that go. is what We're he said. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really, I, I thought about that and was like, wow, that's true because you always want to surround yourself, no matter what you're doing, whether it's friends, family, business partners, attorneys. You want to make sure that there's someone who can laugh at the same jokes you're laughing at. It just makes life a little bit easier, yeah. and you, you may even trust them a little bit more. So I like that he brought that concept. Because that was very, very important to me. Yeah. Anybody else want to comment on that? Well, I agree with that. And it goes to the point of transparency. 
because the more transparent you can be with each other, the more you can serve your client better from mm -hmm. the lawyer's perspective and the better service they'll get from you. So they'll be happier and everybody wins in that situation. Right. Yeah, I really wanted Ryan to come and talk to you. He's had several attorneys in mm -hmm. his career, as Ludacris has, and, and attorneys for different things. Mm -hmm. You know, you would have one attorney that would deal with issues related to branding and endorsements versus maybe another attorney who is going to do your film deal, right? Or somebody who's going to do your music. So it's important to know that a talent is thinking a certain way about a lawyer, mm -hmm. that they want a lawyer who maybe comes from a big law firm or they want a lawyer that has been working and grinding because they know they'll work really hard. You know, it's important to hear from clients. So I think at any time in your career, if you can talk to clients and get a feel for what they're looking for, it's helpful mm -hmm. to serve them in the best way. So let's talk about something that's really fun. What do you want to do with your life? <laughs> um, by degree, I'm an urban planner, so law is definitely a transition for me. So land use law will be easy, but I have a lot of creatives in my family. So I think entertainment law will be a good transition. And the class so far has been really interesting because we've touched on a lot of facets of entertainment law, even though we're only four classes in. I think what has been the biggest thing from all of the classes that we've had is really the push to be an advocate. And so just as I continue to decide where I want to end up with my law degree, I think that's the focus that I have now. We play ludicrous videos at the beginning of every class, and I tell you, like, I hadn't seen a lot of them until this class, and so I also feel like it's back to the MTV days when we could watch <laughs> videos and have a little fun in class. So I hope you guys are enjoying that. And so, Raquel, what are you planning to do? Oh, my goodness. I just love this entire arena. And entertainment and media is, like, I love it. And I've been so active within the field. So as far as the specifics, I'm unsure, but I do know that I want to be within some type of transactional nature within entertainment and media. Where that takes me, I don't know, but I just know I'm going to be there. That's wonderful. And Obi, what about you? I have a mindset of a business person, so I really want to do something with business in mind. Whatever that comes from law or something else, I don't know, but I just want to do it. <laughs> uh, my focus areas in law are tax, real estate, and contracts. So these kind of things, especially the contracts, play a part in the people I will associate with in my life, which are part of the entertainment field. So therefore, I hope to use that knowledge to uh, acquire a client and represent them in the right way. And Thomas, what about you? Well, I originally came to law school to do entertainment law. I've been a professional drummer for about four years now. My undergrad degree was in music business, so I lived up in Nashville and played music and learned all about the music business and decided law school was a good next step for me. So I wanted to come back to Atlanta, though, so I came back to Georgia <laughs> State to be close to home. Since I've been in law school, I've actually broadened my horizons a little bit. I, I originally thought I was too nice to be a litigator, so I uh, <laughs> thought I would only do transactional, but I actually spent some time at a firm that does a lot of litigation mm -hmm. this past summer and really enjoyed that work as well. So I've kind of uh, turned into a bit of an open book. So Wow. Yeah, we'll see where things go. And so being a professional drummer, what does this kind of a course teach you that I'm sure some of these concepts are not brand new to you and you've you know at least heard the language for a lot of years? So what does it do for you being a professional musician? Well, you kind of understand uh, how the sausage is made a little bit uh, mm -hmm. by getting to be in a class like this and actually see what's on paper, see the agreements. As we move forward, you know, moving especially into things like booking and live performance and things of that nature, I've spent a lot of time. Touring contracts and things like yeah, that. People yeah, people come and ask me questions about, uh, you know, hey, can you look this over? And, you know, yeah. the answer is always and no. And what do you say? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, uh, you know. Yeah, because that, when you take a class like this, the number one thing that begins to happen in your life is people think you're completely ready to start yes. practicing entertainment <laughs> law. And then that happens. Yes. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Right. Absolutely. So I've, I've kind of been in the in the arena for a while, but actually seeing really the, the nuts and bolts of it all has been really impactful for me and really special. So mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed it. Well, that's wonderful. I want to give you guys an opportunity to just use this podcast as a way to express the things that we're learning. You know, sometimes when people listen to a podcast, there'll be one thing somebody said that will be so important to them and will spark them to go do some research and will help them out. So the goal of this podcast, just for all of us in this room and for all of you that are listening, is just to let you know what we're doing here at Georgia State College of Law in this wonderful entertainment, sports, and media law certificate program, as well as just the one wonderful students and the talent that we have here in our school. So I hope that you will continue to listen to our podcast. Any closing words from our students today? We'll see you next time. All right. right, We will see you next time. And uh, check out our next podcast, which will be on management agreements. Signing off.